Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. I would like to take a brief moment to thank the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology for sponsoring today's show. FACTS VP of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Elisa Word, takes us on a lively discussion of how we can all keep DEI at the core of our everyday life, including how to tap into the vast resources in FACTS Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Resource Center. Elisa will also share her contagious inspiration for celebrating and honoring Black History Month in meaningful ways for everyone. Welcome back, Elisa, to Facts Roundtable Podcast, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well. It's good to be back. I know. I feel like hopefully this is going to be a fresh, new, and wonderful year for all of us. I've put in an order for that, actually. Okay. <laughs> You'll take it. Absolutely. All right. So let's just dive right in. In 2022, FACT launched an in-depth online diversity, equity, and inclusion resource center. But actually, before we talk about that center and what's in that center, can you share with listeners why this type of resource is actually critical, not only for people with food allergies, but actually for everybody in our community? Well, one of the things that people don't think about unless it impacts them directly is that there are a number of disparities in the healthcare. And, you know, whether that's based on economical issues, uh, systemic concerns with regards to gender issues, race issues, and things of such. And in order for us to be able to combat those things, we have to first acknowledge that they exist. And then, secondly, we have to be intentional about changing the way that we do things. When uh, we look at terms, for instance, like being an ally or anti-racism, those, in my opinion, and in in the DEI world, those are action terms. Right. So if you're a person who thinks about, you know, well, I'm I'm anti-racism, that doesn't mean that you just say it. You have to do something about it. And the same thing when you're an ally, whether it be for women or people with health concerns or even a gender uh, ally, you have to be willing to put some action in place. And for us to do this and recognize the intersectionality of diversity, equity and inclusion and how it impacts everyone, then we have to be able to put some things in place so people understand not only what it is, but how we can actually be better at being more inclusive and more equitable. So now looking at those terms, diversity, equity, and inclusion, can you break down all three? Because they're all different, but they're obviously interrelated. Absolutely. So diversity, if you think about it, diversity is kind of like that that car lot that you go on. And there are lots and lots of different cars on the car lot, and they're all different colors. 
right? But if they're all Chevrolet Malibus, then they're all the same car. But we know that on a car lot, they're not going to be just that. They're going to be different cars. So how do you treat those cars? How do you find a parking space for the big car versus the small car, right? So diversity is the mix. Equity comes down to really finding ways where we have not only a seat at the table, but a seat that fits. It's like having everybody gets a pair of shoes, but if those shoes don't fit, then how fair is that to a person, right? And then when it comes to inclusion, allowing people to bring their whole selves into every situation. We think about DEI often in workspaces like corporate workspaces and people say, oh, well, we're doing this DEI work and we want to bring people in. Well, you bring people in and expect them to acclimate to that culture, right? So then what's the point of that? That's not real. That's not the landscape. That's not where we live. That's not how we, you know, see each other at the doctor's office, things of that nature. And many times with these disparities uh, have come concerns where black and brown persons have had real concerns in getting the medical care that they that they need and that they deserve in a fair and equitable way. So by bringing this into place, we're able to help other people see that and empower people who do have the ability to help others to, to, to use their power. But for those who aren't getting those services, who don't have that advocacy, giving them a place where they can actually find some resources to use to be able to start getting that. That was a fantastic explanation because I'm a visual learner and the way you gave those nice examples are just so really helpful because again, we all want to do the right thing, but figuring out how to do the right thing to me is almost half of that battle. And so getting this information out there and in, in accessible ways and ways that we can digest it and take it and run are just so critical. Absolutely. And so on that note, let's talk about FACTS Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Resource Center. So what can our listeners expect to find when they visit that center? There's a lot of great stuff on that center. First of all, one of the things that was very key for me when working on that was to create a framework, a framework that we as an organization, as FACT, could begin to kind of start to support that model for diversity, equity, and inclusion um, so that we could support communities and, you know, through intersectionality and, and those equitable solutions. And so putting that framework in place means basically that we're going to, we see you, we hear you, we're going to advocate. We're also going to recognize the things that are in place and things that need to be in place. And we're thinking about reciprocity, even from a doctor-patient uh, relationship. What can we do to support healthcare professionals? as well as those who are patients and support group leaders and allies. And then we're also educating not only the community, but we're also educating our staff on a regular basis. And then there's that support component as well. How do we work with support groups? How do we do those sorts of things? So that's one of the things that is really key in the resource center to look at that and see how we're actually meeting the bar. On that, And you'll find other things like book lists and videos and downloadable activities, coloring sheets, word searches, things to know what these terms actually mean and things that meet people where they are in each part of the community. Well, I'm obviously very biased, but I really spend a lot of time in that center just looking at videos, looking at the books, looking at different things, and then sharing it with my family or sharing it with friends or just in conversations. I think it's that the kind of center that you just don't come in once and you're done, but you're really coming in there a lot to interact with the information and to do things. Like I like, I have a tendency to go in, find something, watch the video, and then go back after I've had a chance to really sit with it and figure it out and take it out for a spin. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, th- this particular, the way that this was designed, you know, when we hear the term going down the rabbit hole, right? We, we think about your social media and how you watch one video and then you're hoping you get the next one. And the next thing you know, you're three hours watching something on social media. And although social media has its places, I, I said something recently where it can be one of the coolest places, but it can also be one of the cruelest places, right? But if you're getting education from it, if you're getting knowledge from it, then it becomes helpful. So with the, with the resource center, the goal is really to give you something that actually even sparks your interest and then makes you say, wow, this is really interesting. Maybe I didn't know this. Maybe I didn't think about this. And it's not meant to be uh, one that points fingers at anyone, but instead it's it's about uh, helping people to reach that, that level of where they're going to satiate that curiosity that they have, they have that national, that natural curiosity. So the rabbit hole takes you to these different places so that you can learn about other people, but ultimately learn about yourself. That is so true. So now what are your two favorite items in that resource center? Well, I have to say the frame, the framework that I just mentioned, the shares framework, because when I'm actually creating new pieces and things of that nature, I'm always thinking, you know, which one of these things can I actually really look at? Who's going to need that support? Who's going to need that help? I love that. But I also like the book list and the video list because they're broken down by age category. Some of the areas are broken down by race and gender. And there are some pieces, you know, where we can't exclude people have different religious and spiritual practices as well. So there's something for everyone on those lists so that we're working to make sure that we don't exclude anyone and that we're looking at resources that maybe people might not have seen otherwise. You know, I didn't, I might want to read a book about, you know, a a little girl in Korea because I've never been to Korea and maybe I want to know something about that. So it gives us a, a less threatening way for people to start exploring different things. That's one of my favorite parts of the resource center. I have to agree. The share framework is actually my favorite. And even within that, that framework, what really struck me was the see and the hear. Because when I'm talking to somebody about food allergies and I start to get frustrated, I actually try to stop and think about, well, what's their experience? You know, are they a teacher who's just been overwhelmed with lots of students with health issues or maybe their experiences with a lot of needy parents? Then I come along and even though, you know, my request or my conversation is super important because it's regarding the health of my child, I try to stop and take into account what have they experienced? Like, is this just too much for them? Do I need to approach it differently? And I just find those two elements so powerful. Absolutely. We all want to be seen and we all want to be heard and we all deserve to be seen. We also deserve to be heard. And sometimes hearing is doing exactly what you said, taking that moment to pause and think about it in your own head so that you can actually hear between the noise that happens sometimes in communication that actually skews that and gets us into different places that aren't helpful in the long run. Well, and you just use the word communication. And that's one thing that struck me a lot too with this resource center, that so much of this is learning, but then learning how to communicate it back out, like taking what you've learned and learn how to discuss it in non-threatening ways or non-aggressive ways. Absolutely. And, th- and that's what it really is. Oftentimes people get really upset about this whole DEI space because they feel like a finger is pointing at them, right? And no one wants to feel like they're on the on the hot seat. 
And when you feel like that, suddenly your executive functioning is actually impacted. You become dysregulated. And at that point, you can't hear anything, not effectively. You don't see anything effectively. So now these barriers and these walls are in place and everybody's kind of at odds with one another. So when you're presenting this material, in my uh, experience, it's always been best when you present it in the in a non-threatening way, but still in a factual and a real way about what needs to be done. So critical. And listeners, I will put links to the Resource Center and to the SHARE framework and all of this information in our show notes so you can follow along. But now we're going to turn our attention to Black History Month. So can you share with listeners, Elisa, how this month actually came to be? And even more importantly, what is Black History Month? Is it meant to raise awareness? Is it a call to action? Is it all of the above? And more than that. So in 1926, Carter G. Woodson had this Negro History Day, right? And then uh, fast forward at Texas A&M, I think it was, uh, oh gosh, what was his name? Uh, Albert Bussard. And way past that time frame in 1976, pushed really hard to make it Black History Month. It actually evolved into something. Um, and then at that time, you know, it was be, it was nationally recognized. And the purpose behind it was really to celebrate those in Black history who have made contributions to the United States, to our history, to the different things. There are lots of inventors who've made lots of really amazing things. And you'll begin to see some of that information on, pop up on Facts social media come in February, where we're actually highlighting, spotlighting some of those folks. But many of those people just were not celebrated in that time because we were in a time when the face of a lot of things didn't look like my face, right? So th there were people who were ignored. And so they decided that, you know, we've got some really brilliant people doing some amazing things. So it's time to raise awareness, raise awareness about what, you know, Black people have gone through in history, but also about some of the contributions, not just the negative things, right? But the contributions, real contributions that people have made today and, and in the future. And to give people an opportunity to take that and move that into action, whether it be supporting Black businesses, creating Black businesses, reading books, reading about the true recollection recollections of history as it was, or you know other things that you can do to raise awareness, whether you are Black or not. It's not just about only Black people celebrating this. This is about everyone celebrating this part of American history. Fantastic. So then how can Americans and our listeners honor and participate in Black History Month in very meaningful ways? So meaningful ways, it was interesting. I was listening to the radio um, and one of the things that came up, Stevie Wonder came out with a different version of the happy birthday song several years ago, but people forget that there was a meaning behind that. It was when he came up with that to raise awareness and to keep the cause moving when they continued to strike down that bill to make MLK Day a federal holiday. And so he came up with that for that reason to say, you know, we're going to celebrate anyway. And subsequently, after he did that, it did become a federal holiday. One of the things to do, you know, look into history like that. If you see things or, or know of things that are attributed to people in the Black and African-American communities, then you know what? Find out what the, the history was. Find out what the origin was. Do, do some research on that. You can do that on your own. You don't even have to leave your house. You can use your smartphone or, or your internet connection to do that. The other thing you can do is most states will have a Black Chamber of Commerce. 
They're going to have lots of information on businesses that you can support and events that are actually happening. You can look on the NAACP's website. Um, there are also some groups that are, you know, like Jack and Jill and Mocha Moms that are going to have different events. There are community centers that have various events as well. So it's not as hard as it used to be to kind of find things to see and to do and to celebrate. But even look for Black business directories if you want to support a Black business during that month and find one and support that business, uh, you know, just like you would support any other business. And why is that important? Because when you look at the numbers, when you look at the statistics, right, the dollar does not turn over in the Black community as often as it does in other communities. So we want to be able to support that and make that happen. If we want to complain about certain communities and poverty and crime and this and that, you know, which a lot of that stuff is stereotypical is which a lot of people aren't living, you know, lives like that. But in any event, whether whatever community that is, if you want to make the change, you have to be the change. So give them your change. I absolutely love that. So now as a parent who might want to teach their children things, what would you recommend in terms of family activities or again, parent to child and just educating and inspiring and stimulating those young little minds? Sometimes it really starts in your own community because we tend to be a very blind about what what, what lessons we are teaching our kids and what we aren't, right? So if your kids only have friends that look like them then why is that? Is that the way that your community is? If it's not, why aren't we reaching out and doing some other things in different communities? If you're living in a large community and there is no no population that's different than yours, you can find online things that you can actually do and participate in. There's a lot, you know, we don't have the encyclopedias that we had to lug around back in the day, right? You can get a lot of this stuff online and, you know, start to have some activities, do some trivia, and, you know, do some word searches, get involved with some things that are happening locally, find out what events are actually going on. Is there a play in your area? I'm actually going to play next month. And then I'm also doing um, spoken word with jazz and a Harlem Renaissance event next month. So those are things that anyone could be a part of. It does. You don't have to be black to be parts of those things. But what you have to do is you have to, to, to look and you can literally Google what's happening around me or black history events around me. And that goes for any of the heritage months. If it's, you know, Hispanic history month, find that out whether you're Hispanic or not whether you're Black or not, because this is going to help us all to learn to speak the same language as one another and to also hear the language that other people speak and respect the experiences that we all have. Well, and what I'm hearing from you, really, it's action. And let's take advantage of our smartphones and this technology. I mean, obviously, people are using technology to hear this podcast, once we tap into that technology, the whole world unfolds and there's going to be so many activities. So now are you going to share with us the web links to the things that you're participating in so we can follow you? I will do that soon. As soon as I get that sort of stuff up and running, uh, the, you know, they're a little kind of slow on the ball with some of that. But yeah, we're, we're working on some stuff now. But, you know, it, it really comes down to, again, you doing the work and taking that action. And when you're using things like social media and the Internet, this is all based on algorithms. Sometimes you don't see the things that are going on around you because you're not looking for the things that are going on around you. As soon as you start looking for something, it's kind of like when you talk about bananas and you start seeing ads for bananas on sale coming up on your phone, right? It's the same concept. When you start looking for those sorts of events, more and more will begin to populate. And also there are a lot of links, a lot of events on Facebook also that you can look up to see what Black history events are happening in your area. 
Excellent. Now, are there any specific resources or websites that you want listeners to learn about? Definitely say to visit the NAACP website. Again, the National Black Chamber of Commerce. We can get those things maybe in the links after the show. Those are going to be really good things. There's also called the National Black Guide. Interestingly enough, I happen to know the person who runs that, so it's actually pretty cool. There's some great information on there. People can can follow that too. You know, some of it might be your cup of tea and some of it may not be, but you won't know that until you check it out. That's what it's all about, curiosity and exploration. Now, I have some friends who prefer to celebrate the achievement of Black Americans actually each month. So instead of like just focusing on a Black History Month, they've actually made a conscious choice with their family to just every month post something on social media. So that's how they celebrate this month. For you and your family, how are you going to celebrate this month? I will say I am Black history. Every single day of the week, I am Black. I will always be Black. I've always been Black. So my family, uh, we are doing what we can to contribute in a positive way to create a legacy that impacts Black history in many ways. Uh, If you look, for instance, you know, when it comes to the world of food allergy and over the years, how it's evolved. When I started doing some of this advocacy work several years ago, there weren't people that look like me. So I decided to take it upon myself to start doing the work and educating people even in my own community. So I would like to think that at some point that maybe the work that I've done, the work of people like Emily Brown and Kristen Osborne and others, that the work that we've done is going to contribute to the history that is here in the United States, in part with the food allergies, but also to Black history, because we've been able to help make some contributions. Thomas Silvera, who's doing some stuff. That is what Black history is. It's about being able to be part of the solutions, part of the advocacy, part of the work that's being done. So we'll also, you know, venture out to do some of the things that I mentioned, like the play that I'm in and a Harlem Renaissance event that I'm going to be part of. Um, My son goes to uh, a school where they have a lot of events for Black History Month, and my daughter does as well. So we'll all be participating in a lot of different things. We are very fortunate in our food allergy community to have people like you and everyone else you mentioned who are just moving the dial and doing amazing things, like doing mind-blowing things. Well, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. But, you know, again, celebrating it every month really is, is about being your best you and doing things for the community every month, every day. It's absolutely fantastic. But you know what? We are actually at the end of our time together. It went so fast. So are there any words of wisdom you want to leave us with? You always leave us with just amazing tips. I actually write them down at the end of our podcast, and I usually have them up on our desk. So with no pressure now, uh, what words of wisdom would you like to leave us with? Just reminding people that race is a social construct, right? And and we know that it is. However, we, we live in a world where it's something that's going to continue to be present no matter what race you are, whether you are considered white or black or Hispanic or Asian or wherever you fall along the lines. But at the end of the day, we all bleed. We all have feelings. We all have hurts. We all have wants. We all have needs. We all have desires. So the next time you see something that doesn't resonate with you because of the community that you are from, remember that is someone else's experience doesn't have to be your experience for you to have compassion and recognize their humanity in that situation. 
And there again, beautiful words of wisdom, lots of inspiration. Thank you so much, Elisa, for your time and listeners. Again, I will make sure the show notes have all of the incredible resources that Elisa has shared here. So thank you again, Elisa, for your time. Thank you. Great to talk to you again. Again, we want to thank the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology for sponsoring this week's Facts Roundtable podcast. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.